0: Welcome to Nature Centered, a podcast from Wild Birds Unlimited about feeding the birds and enjoying nature right in your own backyard. Here are your hosts, naturalist John Schaust and Brian Cunningham. Hey
1: everyone, I'm John Schaust. And I am Brian Cunningham. And welcome to episode 20 of our Nature Centered podcast, Hard to Believe, number 20. I guess we're going to stick around for a while. Today, we're going to talk about some of the seven simple things you can do to help save songbirds. And we might, might have to spend just a few minutes celebrating Wild Birds Unlimited's 40th anniversary.
0: Also in this episode, a bit of that history and the love of bird feeding, what's changed and where it's going. And maybe you'll connect with some of those things. Plus, how can your cup of coffee help save the songbirds? We'll talk about that. And we do have a kids activity today, so stick around for the
1: fun. All right, Brian, I don't know if it's uh, still copywritten or not, but is it all right for us to sing Happy Birthday? (laughs) Because. It's, it's, you know, it was copywritten there for a while and people weren't singing it. And I think it's off of copyright, but we should be singing happy birthday to start our show off today. There you go. We're just happy anniversary, happy anniversary, <laughs> right? There you go. 40 years ago this week, Jim Carpenter started Wild Birds Unlimited. And my gosh, you know, bird feeding's been around for a lot longer than 40 years, but uh, oh, yes. the changes we've seen in those 40 years in the hobby are just mind-boggling, and unfortunately, I'm not sure about you, No, but I know I've been around all 40 of those years since Wild Birds Un- Unlimited.
0: Well, I've been watching birds that long, but uh, I haven't been feeding birds quite that long, John. <laughs> What's changed for you in your yard?
1: <laughs> I'm, I'm laughing, Brian, because <laughs> my wife and I were just talking this morning. The fact that I've probably got close to two dozen bluebirds coming to my feeder every day is definitely something that you would never That's have seen 40 awesome. years ago. I mean, it's just amazing to see this wave of blue in our backyard. And, and uh, you know, it's, again, it's, it, a lot of it has to do with the things that we can do and I've done to my yard. Mm-hmm. To make it more welcoming and safer for birds and the foods, the habitat, the lack of pesticides and and, uh, insecticides, those types of things that we've stopped doing or are doing has really opened the door to incredible fun and joy in our backyard watching all these birds coming and going. To have that context, to really understand how far things have come. Oh, yes, yes, yes. And 40 years ago,
0: I mean, where were you going to get food? You've talked about this a little bit.
1: Yeah, I, I you know, my previous uh, professional life was 26 years of running nature centers as a professional, you know, naturalist in parks, and we always had bird feeding areas, and we always had to go get seed. And a couple of my my jobs were out in the middle of the the uh, country at state parks, and you'd literally drive into the local grain silo and you'd drag home an 80 pound bag of black oil and an 80 pound black bag of, of stripe. You'd have to go to the grocery and go to the meat counter. And initially, you could ask the butcher for suet because they literally just kind of discarded it back in those days. Mm-hmm. And then they started putting it out and selling it for like $0.25 cents a package, you know. Uh, yeah, so that's how you got yes. your suet, to find suet <laughs> cakes back in those days. The pre-made suet cakes. Ah, Yeah, it's crazy. crazy. Yeah, so things have just changed dramatically.
0: There were... Ma and Pa, kind of the the independent hobby stores out there before. And then now you've got this franchise. And it started, in many respects, kind of glamorizing backyard bird feeding. If nothing else, it made it more convenient. Because you went from having to do the 80 pounds to now we were doing 50-pound bags. (laughs) (laughs) I remember that. Much better. Much better. But then that's that's changed down to 20-pound bags. And suet now it comes in all sorts of flavors. yeah. And what's amazing is you think about that. You ever boil down your own suet in your own house? Um, Oh my gosh. I have and
1: (laughs) I remember the smell to this day.
0: (laughs) Uh. Oh, I could have gotten that for 25 cents from the butcher. Well, (laughs) yeah. you also have to process all of that, but all the benefits, all the, the great flavors of things that are now in it.
1: Yeah. I think that's the really cool part about it for me personally is the wide variety of bird foods that we now can offer in a incredible variety of bird feeders oh, yes. uh, that have specific target birds and that type of thing. You know, I, again, I, I talk about in, in in my day, early on, running my nature centers back in the 1980s, you would probably build all of your feeders. There mm-hmm. were mm-hmm. very few places you could buy bird feeders. And if you uh, could, there were, they were
0: very basic.
1: Yeah. And, there were, you know, there were a couple of good books on how to build a basic hopper feeder or a platform feeder or whatever. You might find Uh, a a few tube feeders for Niger and and some other seeds, but, uh, you know, it, it has come so far and the, and the payoff is twofold in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Payoff is the, the variety of birds we can now attract to our backyard is unbelievable. Oh, for sure.
0: Every single day I can see those bluebirds in my backyard. Yeah. I got a friend that says it's always a good day when you see a bald eagle. (laughs) And in my own backyard, hey, I've seen a bald eagle once in my backyard and that was a great day. But you know what? Every time I see those bluebirds in my backyard, I'm smiling ear to ear. They're just so much fun to see and to be able to attract them to our yards and to, like you said, more foods help attract more birds. You get a greater variety of foods, greater variety of feeders, we're going to be able to attract more birds to our yards.
1: Whether it's suet, whether it's our bark butter products, which mm-hmm. is a kind of a spreadable suet, or our bark butter bits, which is kind of a a pellet of, of suet, if you will, I mean, just those as an example. I mean, people are finding warblers coming to these these different foods and and all kinds of oh, yes. all kinds of different birds. That,
0: warblers and thrushes and grosbeaks. And, yeah, I mean, bush tits. <laughs> oh, love the bush. Tits. How much fun are those? Oh man, just a little, a little buzzy trill. They come in like in this group, and yeah. they had all of the activity all over the feeder.
1: I think the other real payoff on all of this mm-hmm. is what is so important right now. You develop a whole army of people who care very deeply about birds.
0: Oh, for sure.
1: And, you know, they estimate that 50 million people at some point during the year feed birds in their backyard. Sure. That's a huge army. And to be able to mobilize that army right now Mm -hmm. is critical because we're seeing some of our, you know, favorite birds and and many, many birds across North America are really in a serious state of decline.
0: There was a huge study done by multiple organizations that found that the birds have been in decline over the last 50 years, and to lose 30% of our breeding birds over 50 years is shocking. We've talked a little bit about that in some of our other podcasts here and there, but what's really encouraging is anyone along this journey, whether you feed the birds in your own backyard, or you watch birds, or if you're just listening to the podcast, there are seven simple steps that have been identified that we really can do to help promote the songbirds to help promote all these back air birds to continue to have strong populations so that they will be around for future generations.
1: You know, it was, it was kind of a real bummer, but what I thought was really cool is they did two things. one, They gave examples of where these types of actions have made a difference, where we've really gone after these issues with birds, whether it's waterfowl. Waterfowl populations used to be in great decline, but we went in, we worked on habitat, we worked on different types of things. And bingo, waterfowl populations are actually one of the species that's not in decline. Uh, With the matter of fact, they're up over 50% in the same time period. So that's pretty encouraging. Woodpeckers. Woodpeckers are another one that, because of habitat and various other things, their numbers are up almost twenty percent. So they gave examples where, and, and I would say bluebirds. Back in mm-hmm. the in the sixties, bluebirds, and as I mentioned in the in the in the eighties, to find a bluebird was a really that was you know you talking about your bald eagle. To find that bluebird was <laughs> right. you know just a red letter day. Uh, So and it's because people pitched in and started putting up nesting boxes and, and a concentrated effort to provide nesting habitat and food resources for these birds, the bluebirds. And it has made a huge difference in their population. So that's what I loved about it. They pointed out the positives and then they also gave us the seven things that we should think about doing that will make a difference for these birds. You kick us off with number one, right? (laughs) I want the trumpets (laughs) blaring. So number one, without question, Brian, is you. And you know, obviously, goes without saying. Really, it's habitat. It's all about habitat in your backyard. Habitat loss was the major issue going on with these population declines yes and as you've probably heard if you've listened to our podcast in the the past we are uh, partnering with national wildlife federation on doing backyard habitat you know providing those food uh, water shelter places to raise young using native plants that provide a lot of natural food supplies from you know berries and fruits to insects uh, that type of thing so uh, considering habitat in your backyard as one of the things that you can do with the most impact on songbirds and other birds migrating through uh, is, is probably number one on the hit parade uh, for people to, to consider taking on. And again, we have all those resources. All you have to do is go to our show notes and uh, we'll point you into the right direction on how you start doing that process of making your backyard a much better habitat for birds.
0: And number two, a nice little tie-in: pesticides and herbicides, and minimizing that it goes hand in hand with planting native plants. Yeah. And if anything you can do to minimize the use of pesticides in your yard or on your home, uh, because you're knocking out with poisons the insects and a lot of the birds, then directly or indirectly, will be affected by eating, or maybe it's getting into water supply. So we just encourage you, be mindful of the kinds of pesticides uh, that you would be putting on your lawns, and I know I've alluded in the past, uh, there are organic services or organic products that you can use to have a nice lush green lawn, and it's okay if you have a couple of what might be called quote-unquote weeds in your yard, Uh, maybe have a little bit of clover or something else mixed in with the grass, but all of that's going to help keeping the bird population going and provide some food sources for the birds in your own yard.
1: Yeah, you know, I think Brian, both of us have examples in our own lives uh, where we've done just that. I know, you know, around our yards you you use uh, 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 organics. I don't use anything. I literally just don't use anything around my yard whatsoever. I live in a wooded area so I can kind of, <laughs> I'm not in a real <laughs> right. manicured suburban neighborhood. I'm in a wooded area so I can kind of have a little more leeway to yes. let my yard go a little more and don't use any kind of herbicides or pesticides. And I've, in my, my years of running nature centers, almost every place I've ever worked, that's one of the things that we've done during my tenure is to bring in all kinds of native plants and replant the landscaping and stop using the herbicides and the pesticides in the park. And I can honestly tell you, I've seen it over and over and over. It works. It is amazing. Yes, it, it does. It is amazing the diversity of bird species that start showing back up in your yard, coming to your backyard bird feeders. It really, truly works.
0: Well, and watching the birds forage on the ground in my yard to have so many robins and the bluebirds and different sparrows that will all forage on the ground in my yard, I want to. That's they're my birds, and I want to make sure I'm taking care of them. So that's why I minimize the use of pesticides and herbicides.
1: And onward to number three, and that's thinking about your cats and how they interact with the birds in your backyard. Uh, I have two cats. Uh, We inherited both of them, to be honest. Uh, One was an outdoor-indoor cat all along. The other cat, uh, we got very young, and we have made it into an indoor cat only. Uh, In regards to, we have lots of feeders in my backyard, and like you're saying, lots of birds on the ground. Uh, Our indoor outdoor cat, we still allow to go outdoors, uh, but we are always with him when he's out there. We do not let him go out unattended so we can make sure because if we did, I can guarantee you it's just his natural instinct. He's he's not hungry. He is incredibly well fed, Uh, but it's his natural instinct to see something moving in front of him. He's going to go try to grab it. And oh, so definitely. unless we were there to stop that, uh, it would be a, a, a situation. So keeping cats indoors or you know, going outside uh, uh, and, and being with your cats in a uh, controlled situation. Or I, think, I think the, the, the catio concept is, oh, yes. is pretty cool.
0: The catio. <laughs> uh, catios. We talked about that in episode seven, FAQ episode. Uh, basically, it's a patio for your cat. Uh, We didn't create a catio for our cat. We just let our cat use our patio. It's totally enclosed with screens. And he loves to sit out there and enjoy watching the birds and the wildlife and and, uh, just nature go by. But he's safe. We're keeping the birds safe as well.
1: Number four. Number four. How about making our windows safer for birds? You've probably heard a lot about window strikes and birds in the past on some of our uh, podcast uh simply a a matter of the fact that windows that reflect the surrounding habitat in other words if i've got a big window and it it's in a sense mirroring the the trees and the grass uh the birds see the trees and the grass they don't see the window and, and they can they can you know unfortunately run into those windows fly through them so you need to do something to make your windows if you have a problem windows not all windows are, are, are a problem it has a lot to do with their location on your house and the relationship to the sun and, and various other things uh, but you need to do something uh, to make sure that those windows that the birds do hit on occasion uh, are much more visible to the birds
0: back part of my house where a lot of the bird feeders are gets great sun Uh, but also that can be quite the danger to the birds. And I've done a couple of different things over the the years, Um, tried different things, and there are some really simple solutions you can do, like a holographic scare tape, hanging strings like a paracord in front of your windows. So there's a a style called the uh, Acopian Bird Saver, and it's very specific about having different things hanging vertically that will free float that are only so many inches apart. And that catches the bird's eye. And something like, holographic scare tape is a holographic mylar kind of ribbon that blows at the slightest breeze and it prevents the birds from hitting the windows if they get scared off of a feeder and i have it all the time i got a (laughs) red-shouldered hawk i've got a cooper's hawk they love to buzz the feeders every now and then and the birds those they just it's that scare motion they automatically react and they'll fly in a direction and when it's towards the windows when they see those obstacles in the way it gives them the the time to divert and not hit the windows it's tragic if i ever find a bird under one of my windows it breaks my heart every time i would ever run across a bird and so putting applications on my windows i haven't found a bird yet and i so these things do work you can make your windows safe
1: uh how about drinking some shade grown coffee number five (laughs) number five on the hit parade Oh, I love me some coffee. And, <laughs> yeah, you and I are big coffee fiends. Oh, I know that. Oh, yeah. But, you know, I,
0: knowing that coffee plantations and how these plantations work um, could be just a, a clear-cut forest area that now it's a coffee plantation. And that doesn't do much of anything for native birds in that area or those <laughs> birds that migrate <laughs> from our areas to those, those coffee plantations.
1: Yeah, it's kind of like a brand-new suburban yard, you know what I mean? There's just not much there for the birds to find food on and and, uh, to live off of.
0: Uh, But having those bird-friendly coffee plantations, they're actually growing the coffee plants in and amongst other native plants and trees and bushes around in there. And so it's allowing – it's a little bit slower-growing coffee, which actually in many respects is a a better-tasting coffee, uh, which there are a lot of really good (laughs) – bird-friendly coffee is out there. And that's what bird-friendly coffee is all about. It's called that because the habitat where it's being grown is allowing for native plants, which also provide the the nectars, the seeds, the fruits, but also native insects. And those native insects are also also eaten by the birds as they come through.
1: Yeah, and there's a whole list of bird species that this really has been proven to benefit. And and I think we're actually kind of, seeing a, a start to that in the sense of one of the top is Orioles. You know, mm, when, you, yes. when you do the shade-grown coffee, it really benefits Orioles. And I know many of us the last two years during spring migration have seen really large numbers of Orioles coming to our feeders and that type of thing. But it's also things like warblers and thrushes and, and buntings, indigo punting, painted bunting. So it really, it's definitely the, the, the research has been done and it's definitely been proven. So, you know, why not enjoy a good cup of coffee to help the birds? How tough is that? Exactly.
0: All right, number six Drumroll, please <laughs> Getting to the end uh, You know, watching birds It's as simple as that Number six, watching birds Now we could tag a whole bunch of other fun things on there <laughs> But it, John, you and I have talked a lot about And you have a quote on your office door That I haven't seen for, what, a year now Due to COVID <laughs> um, <laughs> That's so sad <sighs> We only protect what we love And we're only going to love what someone has shown to us and shared with us. And watching birds and bringing someone along to watch birds, that's what's going to catch our attention and get us bought into, you know, we talk about, we watch birds in our backyard and then they become my birds. And it's going to lead you to help protect them.
1: Yeah. And and there's actually some concrete things, Mm -hmm. too, that you can graduate to to even be more effective. We just did our last podcast on uh, Great Backyard Bird Count and how to be a citizen science scientist and, and the, the the data, the value of the data by collecting it and and the the uh, uh, validity of that data and mm-hmm. how it all works. So check out episode 19 of our podcast about uh, being the citizen science and just watching birds again. How much fun! How hard! What a terrible thing to have to do to help birds. Watch them and report the numbers that you see. Wow. <laughs> And do I hear number seven
0: plastics? It's all, oh, yeah, plastics. One word for you, John plastics.
1: You've been watching too many Christmas movies. <laughs> it's a wonderful life, isn't it? <laughs> oh, I tell you, it's... that's that's a really remote reference that nobody's going to get. More than likely, <laughs> but if you know it's a wonderful life, you know George Bailey was trying. Friend of his was trying to get him into plastics. plastics.
0: <laughs> One of the things that we've been doing with Wild Birds Unlimited is we have a whole feeder line of recycled plastic things. In fact. We started off with one called the EcoTuff line, and we have been expanding and growing on that um, and coming out with different styles and colors because it's been so successful. And these feeders last and last and last and help you with an enjoyment of the birds. And, you know, you're helping take these recycled plastics uh, away from the landfills, so they don't end up there. Um, and They're ending up in um, bird feeding.
1: Yeah, I think that again the the thing is with plastics it's it's about recycling obviously uh, and reusing, you know, if you can't recycle it Try to use it over and over and over and over again as many times as you can for whatever purpose you can. I know I I say some of the things that come from the grocery that I can't recycle. And I use them for when I'm painting as a a thing to hold my paint or uh, keep the extra nuts and bolts and screws out of my workbench or whatever it might be. But, you know, use them to store other foods, you know, the leftovers, that type of thing. So just instead of throwing them away, consider just how I can reuse this as many times as possible before I am forced to throw it away. And then reduce in the first place. You know, what are the things that I can do to avoid buying extra Ziploc bags or extra types of containers or whatever it might be that's in plastic? Can I get it in some material and maybe not recyclable plastic? Uh, Can I get it in some type of glass material or can I get it and not do I need it at all? Can I buy my vegetables and things without the plastic uh, containers and that type of thing? So it's all those things. I know it doesn't sound like a lot. But if you add up, and again, I go back to that 50 million people who at some point in the year feed birds. Gosh, if we could get all those 50 million people making habitat in their backyard, reducing the amount of plastic, stop using pesticides. I just think of the difference that it would make for our birds in this in North America. So it may seem like a little thing, but it can be a really, really big thing. I think you have a, a kid's activity that might fit
0: right into this. One of the most simple things you can do is just watch birds. It's one of those seven simple actions. And it, maybe you don't think about it and think that, oh, yeah, well, that'll help save birds. But like we talked about, that quote that I was talking about that you have on your door, in the end, we'll conserve only what we love. And we love only what we understand. And we will understand only what we are taught. This is the perfect opportunity to take a kid and watch birds. Whether it's in your own backyard or you go to a local park, once you start introducing birds to people, especially kids, you'll start to notice birds are everywhere. Wherever we go, there are birds around. And if we take the time to stop and watch and then talk about what we're seeing, then that will grow into so much more. The other thing you can do is, you know, Kids and apps these days, right? Well, adults and apps these days. We talk about the Merlin app, which is a fantastic, Mm -hmm. simple, easy app to be able to identify what you're looking at when, when you're watching birds. And we talked about the details of utilizing the Merlin app in episode 19. So you can check that out. But it's all about let's start opening other people's eyes just by simply watching birds and talking about them.
1: Well, folks, I think we've had enough fun for one day and we probably should wrap this up. Um, So as I always say, on behalf of all of us here at Wild Birds Unlimited, we truly thank you for joining us for our Nature-Centered podcast and for helping us to uh, celebrate our 40th anniversary and to learn a little bit about the seven simple things you can do to help birds. Check out our show notes at wbu.com
0: slash podcast for lots of different show notes, things to help you out there. But also please rate and review us on Apple Podcast or wherever you listen. You know,
1: the good, the bad, the ugly. Hey, we want to hear from you. <laughs> right, John? Just, just the bad for Brian, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Plan on joining us next time. It's February. It's Valentine's Day. So we're going to share the secret love life of birds. But as always, until then, we're going to let nature be our guide. So take care and be safe.
0: Thanks for joining us, everyone. Thanks for listening to this episode of Nature Centered. To subscribe to this podcast, for show notes, or to connect with the Wild Birds Unlimited store nearest you, visit wbu.com podcast. Until we meet again, take some time to relax, enjoy the birds, get out in your backyard, and stay nature-centered.